So here now a reading from Psalm 148. I'm going to be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. And uh, this is uh, what we would call the lectionary reading for this Sunday. So it's part of the regular schedule of readings that we do. Hear the word of the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him all his angels. Praise him all his host. Praise him sun and moon. Praise him all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens, and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded, and they were created. He established them forever and ever. He fixed their bounds, which cannot be passed. Praise the Lord from the earth, you sea monsters and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and frost, stormy wind fulfilling his command. Mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, creeping things and flying birds, kings of the earth and all peoples, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and young women alike, old and young together. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people, praise for all his faithful, for the people of Israel who are close to him. Praise the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, as you can clearly see, uh, Psalm 148 is a song of praise invoking the entire creation to praise God's universal glory. And it's a pretty, it's kind of a long psalm, and it, for some it might even sound a little redundant because it just goes through and says, uh, calls upon the sun and the moon and the stars, calls upon mountains, hills, and trees, fire and hail and snow wild and domestic animals, sea monsters, and angels to join with all people everywhere expressing high praise for the Lord. But really, when is the last time something happened in your life that made you want to enlist all of nature and everyone everywhere to join you in praising God? When I read psalms like this, they rarely connect with me for two reasons. First, it's kind of hard for me to imagine rocks, hills, and mountains praising God like people. It is true that the beauty of the natural world often evokes moments of deep gratitude and praise within me. But the metaphor of inanimate objects singing praises to God just doesn't often connect. Second, the kinds of moments that would seem to elicit such heart-exploding joy seem few and far in between. If we're being honest, life is pretty mundane, and we often struggle with discouragement, sadness, 
and grief. So when I read passages like Psalm 148, I usually skim through the parts about creation praising God and focus more on the verses that talk about how God helps us when we go through times of trouble. But when preparing this message, I began to rethink the second reason that I just mentioned. This idea that for the most part, life is prosaic and moments that would evoke such universal praise are few and far in between. This way of thinking focuses on big mountaintop experiences of joy and loud examples of praise. And it's easy to focus on these kinds of things because they are the easiest to recognize and also remember. But are these the only kinds of events that can trigger the kind of universal praise of God that we see in Psalm 148? Maybe there are moments that are more subtle and quiet, moments that are easier to miss unless we are paying attention. Moments that are filled with the kind of joy that evokes universal praise if we have eyes to see and ears to hear. And if this is true, then maybe, just maybe, there is more joy in life and more opportunities to praise God than we might initially think. So I want you to consider three examples as we look at this possibility. The story of a wedding, the story of a funeral, and the story of a birth. So let's start with the wedding. There was a pastor who had just started at his first church when a member of the congregation approached him and asked if he would officiate a wedding for his nephew. The pastor had never met his nephew, but he didn't have a faith community, and he really wanted to have the wedding in a church. So the pastor agreed to perform the ceremony. When he met with the couple in advance to go over the details of the service, he saw that they were clearly in love. But when the pastor asked Jody, the woman, if anyone would be walking her down the aisle, a sad look registered on her face and she quietly said, no. Her father, with whom she had been very close, didn't approve of Tom, her fiance, because he was older he had already been married and divorced, and he had a child that she too would have to raise. And her father was so against the marriage that he refused to pay for anything and even refused to come to the ceremony. Even though this saddened Jody, she loved Tom and made her decision to marry him anyway. But her dad would not relent. He would have nothing to do with this wedding, and it broke his daughter's heart. Even though everybody else was supportive and the service went well, the pastor sensed a note of sadness in the bride throughout the whole experience. She put on a big smile, but he could tell that she was heartbroken, and he couldn't shake this as he interacted with her, especially as she walked up the aisle by herself to the sound of the wedding march. Again, she smiled bravely, but the tone was sad. 
At the end of the ceremony, as Tom and Jody started back down the aisle together as husband and wife, the pastor saw someone walk through the back door. The man just stood there without removing his coat or sitting down, and he soon realized that it was Jody's father. And when the newlyweds reached the end of the aisle, the man extended his arms, and the father and the daughter embraced in exuberant weeping. Praise the Lord. Praise Him, sun and moon. Praise Him, all you shining stars. Praise Him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord. Amen? Now let's consider a funeral. By the way, these stories are true. Aubrey, along with her daughter and granddaughter, were active members of a church. Aubrey sang in the choir helped with church projects, and served on committees as needed. Once, when the pastor accidentally tore his robe, she took it home and fixed it for him. Aubrey had endured some really hard times in life. One of the biggest was when she discovered that her husband had another family in a nearby town. Aubrey had since divorced him, But one of her grown sons somehow took his father's side in that split and made no effort to stay in touch with her. The other grown son, Mike, had stayed in contact with her, but he had his share of problems too. He had two sons of his own, but no longer lived with their mother and had a rocky relationship with his current wife. And then suddenly, Mike was on the front page of the local newspaper. An argument with his wife had gotten out of hand. He shot her and she died. He called the police, told them where he was and what he had done, but before the police arrived, he turned the gun on himself and took his own life. The local newspaper obtained the 911 call that Mike had made and posted the audio on their website for everyone to hear. And they also reported on the contents of the call in the paper under the headline, Killer's 911 Call Offers a Chilling Insight into His Wife's Slaying. Can you imagine, I mean really, can you imagine what it must have been like for Aubrey to learn about this terrible thing that her son had done and then the next morning to see that headline in the local newspaper. Aubrey asked her pastor to conduct the funeral for Mike. Mike's wife's family was having a funeral for her separately. And as the pastor thought about what he might say at the funeral, and there were some good things to say about Mike, he decided that he should listen to the 911 call that had been published. After listening, he realized that the headline in the newspaper was wrong. There was no quote-unquote chilling insight into the tragedy. Some editor was simply trying to sensationalize an event that was just terribly sad and horrible. In fact, there was nothing chilling at all in Mike's final phone call. What the pastor heard was deep weariness. The sound of a man whom, for the struggle to find meaning and joy in life, 
had just become too much. At the funeral, the pastor explained that he had listened to Mike's 911 call and said there was nothing chilling about it. The pastor talked about the sadness and the hopelessness he had heard in Mike's voice and went on to share some words of scripture and some good memories about Mike. After the funeral, they went to the cemetery where he was laid to rest. If you've ever been a part of a small church, especially in the South, you might know that they have a wonderful practice called the funeral dinner. After the services, family and friends come back to the church and work together to prepare a meal uh, for the family. And during this time, many church members expressed their condolences and gave Aubrey heartfelt hugs. The same thing happened the following morning when Aubrey came to church. People surrounded her with compassion. And as the pastor looked at what was going on, he realized that God's goodness was there in the loving actions of the people. God was there with this family in this unspeakable horror. God was there through the compassionate response of her friends. After the morning service, Aubrey pulled the pastor aside and whispered, what you said at Mike's funeral about that call, not being chilling, but simply sad, that helped me. That helped me. Thank you, pastor. On the way home in the car, it occurred to the pastor that if his words had helped Aubrey, then he too had been a channel of God's mercy and goodness to someone who was facing an unimaginable horror. That helped me, Aubrey said. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the earth. You see monsters and all deeps, fire and hail, snow and frost, stormy wind fulfilling his command, mountains and all hills, fruit trees and all cedars, wild animals and all cattle, creeping things and flying birds. Praise the Lord. And finally, a birth. There was a young, poor couple that was engaged to be married. He was a blue-collar worker, and she was unemployed. Before they could get married, she was terrified to find out that she was pregnant. What am I going to tell my parents? What is my fiancé going to do? Fortunately, he didn't leave her, but at the end of his pregnancy, he had to travel to another state to deal with some unfinished legal business. Against her doctor's orders, she went with him to keep him company, and on this trip, she went into labor. It was all so complicated. Can you imagine? An unplanned pregnancy, the real struggles of two young people just starting out in life, living in poverty, trying to make ends meet, living from hand to mouth. It'd be so easy to focus on all of the negative aspects of their situation and to experience anything but joy. But in their quiet chaos, in their humble poverty, they knew a secret. A secret that would have been easy to miss. A secret that most people did miss. 
But for those who had eyes to see and ears to hear, the name of this child revealed a source of unspeakable joy, Jesus, which means God saves. Praise the Lord. Kings of the earth and all people, princes and all rulers of the earth, young men and women alike, old and young together, let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is exalted. His glory is above earth and heaven. Praise the Lord. Are you awake, church? Look around, my friends. Pay attention. Listen, tune in, and you just might be surprised by what you discover. A quiet, subtle, heart-exploding moment of joy that elicits the universal praise of God deep in your soul. Praise for the God who created you and saved you by the power of love. And that, my friends, is the good news of the gospel this morning. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? Gracious God, as we celebrate the Christmas season... There's so much going on around us that is intended to elicit an awareness of this incredible gift of Jesus and to allow universal praise to well up in our hearts. And for some people, God, this happens quite naturally because they're in a good place in their life. And as they are experiencing Christmas, buying gifts and celebrating with family and friends and eating turkey and just having a great time, God, they experience a joy that they typically don't experience in their everyday lives. But there are other people, God, who struggle through the holiday seasons. And it's not quite as natural to see that big mountaintop joyful experience. And in those times, Lord, whether it's in Christmas or through the normal course of our lives, as we distract and console with busyness and work and entertainment and all the things that we do, Lord, sometimes we are blind to the fact that there are profound moments of joy in our everyday lives because they're more quiet, they're more subtle. And they're like gifts, Lord. They're like gifts that you give to us that we don't recognize, we don't receive. They're presents that go unopened. And I think that this makes you sad, God. Because as we talked about on Christmas Eve, the gifts that you give are meant to be received and opened and enjoyed and treasured. And so God, as we go throughout the normal course of our lives, as Christmas comes to an end and we start a new year and things become more prosaic and mundane, we pray that you will keep us awake to your presence and that we will see these small moments that can create heart-exploding joy. And we ask that as we see and receive these moments and turn to you in gratitude and praise that you will fill our spirits to the brim and give us the courage, the strength, and the hope that we need to take our next step on the path to discipleship. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.